of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 5th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, sitting pretty. Well, definitely not caffeine rage, then. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played this week. THQ Nordic does an AMA on 8chan. Anthem joins our recurrent news cycle debacles with another issue. Devil May Cry 5 actually has an interesting deluxe edition. Dead or Alive 6 Season Pass is $93, and that's only the beginning. The Xbox Maverick console will be named the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. We'll have our weekly community corner with a brief discussion about game night once again, and if we get around to it again, or get around to it this week, we will have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Oh, well, not as tired as I was expecting, because my day was cut short. Because, yeah. Uh, it turns out, yeah, uh, the doctor can cancel on me. <laughs> they can do that. We we do that sometimes. We cancel on people that have appointments with us. Well, I'm pretty sure you don't have someone dying and you have to run off. Most likely. No, that doesn't doesn't typically happen to the best of my knowledge unless it's me i'm dying and have to run off somewhere but well, i think no. you were more carried <laughs> i walked mostly um but yeah but yeah i was expecting to have a full day and be uh tired and may have to delay the podcast to, but yeah it was uh waiting around for uh the taxi to show up and not get a call uh yeah um uh, the doctor has someone, well, they didn't say dying, but a floor emergency. Yeah, yeah. also known as uh, someone fucking dying. Yeah, someone's probably dying. So. Uh, so, you know, I got rescheduled for a couple weeks, so. That, that kind of threw a wrench into things, because I was expecting this to be a very busy day, and I had nothing else planned, so it was one of those things that, well, what do I do now? What Whatever it was that you did today. Uh, All the things. Oh, it was called clean up the place a little bit. <laughs> That's always good to do. I'm not super tired as of this moment. I had a really good day today, so feeling a bit energized just from that. A lot of a lot of positive vibes in my office today. Plus, I got a really good night's sleep last night. Um, and Tuesday's my day where I go in late and sometimes stay late. So got to sleep a little extra so i'm doing pretty good today i only had two cups of coffee to make it through my day instead of like the usual four or five that i have sheesh so. and here i thought i was caffeine rage i uh i might have a, a coffee problem or a caffeine problem yes but it's fine it's fine nothing to see here but uh, uh yeah. and, and i'm the guy and that I, drinks half a pot of coffee at the beginning of my day to get up and moving around well, and, I and I'm I the one have... that drinks the less of the coffee here. But yeah, mine kind of, I go through, you know, drink all day, just sort of steadily. Yeah, you see, know, mine's a cup a, in the morning. Mine's more of a kickstart. Yeah, I'll drink a cup in the morning before I leave the house, and then a cup at work after I get there, and then a cup with lunch, 
and then a cup after lunch because I'm sleepy because I had food and then a cup in the afternoon. Like that's sort of an average day. And then when I'm tired, like Thursdays is usually really bad because Star Wars RPG night keeps me up extra late. Even if I take a nap, I'm still tired. So those days I'll have like six or seven cups of coffee to make it through. And then I come home and crash. Sheesh. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not like taking potentially years off my life by doing that. It's fine. Don't uh, worry about it. Oh, uh, no. All your other habits are already doing that. <laughs> yeah. So this this week is going to be doubly exhausting. I've got two back-to-back RPG sessions. Wednesday night we have some local friends who are coming to our house for dinner. And then we're going to play Star Wars RPG. And then we should be wrapping up right around the time that it's time to start weekly Star Wars RPG that that we play with or that I play with some community members. So I'm going to be very hoarse and tired on uh, on Thursday. But I'll deal with that problem when I get there. Uh, you're going to have to get the digital voice box that the, some of the smokers have to use because your voice <laughs> is just going to be gone otherwise. When I was a little kid, I thought those were really cool. And then I got older and realized what they were. And then I was like, oh, no. <laughs> people. Um, also, hello to any of the people who saw this Reddit post or the Reddit post I commented on earlier today and who wanted the link to the podcast. Welcome to your first episode. Post that. We're sorry. Which I didn't. I didn't, I didn't say anything about this to you earlier because I was just going to bring it up live. But I, I was just browsing on the gaming suggestions subreddit, subreddit while I was eating lunch today. And uh, there was someone who had posted asking for suggestions because he wanted to do a game club with his friend. And he was looking for games that you know met sort of certain criteria. And I was like, hey, my podcast does a monthly game club and we have for years now. Here's just the entire list of every game we've ever played. And I put, you know, like a mm-hmm. asterisk beside the games that sort of met his criteria the best. But I was like, just here's everything. And there were, I don't know, a half a dozen people who were like, this sounds interesting. What is your podcast? So, hello. So in other words, people. we're going to see one spike and then nothing else, right? <laughs> Unless they share. Hey, if you enjoy it, share. Thanks. We love you. Yay, Reddit. I wasn't, like, the reason I didn't post a podcast initially, like, I wasn't just trying to advertise. I was just trying to be cool and be like, hey, I actually have this thing that you're looking for. Here's you a big list of games to go through and start on. Uh, I wonder if we'll get lynched for what we said about Shadow of the Colossus. I don't know. We'll see. They'd have to go back a little ways to find that episode, so maybe we'll be insulated for a while. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, we also backed it between uh, two... uh, Games that we absolutely loved, or we sandwiched it between two games. So, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll be safe. I'm, I have Indeed. the game club list up in, uh, on my screen right now looking at it. Yeah. We don't really play a lot of really bad games, do we? Not really. There's been a few, and then we've had a couple like Shadow of the Colossus that we disliked that I think most people like. But, but also, I, I think, think a lot of it is also a little bit of nostalgia there. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely bad games that have wound up on there. Not really any. I mean, objectively, we could uh, throw a couple under the bus just because of some game design. Yeah. Like uh, Divinity Dragon Commander. Uh, that was a one that... 
unless you're really into that particular subgenre of the RTS, is legitimately broken on the RTS uh, side of things because you had to cheese it a lot. Uh, yeah. But it also was oystered by its visual novel back end for the story. Depending on uh, the uh, person, you could also say Dwarf Fortress for the same reason that there's a lot of compelling gameplay there uh, to the fact that it actually started to trigger you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it also is buried under a really bad UI that needs to be updated at some point. Yeah. But it, but yeah, I don't see anything that's like 100% objectively bad. Because um, even like, you know, neither of us were super hot on Bomber Crew. Well, but I, it's not well, like skipping a bad on Bomber game. Crew just because we recently did it. Yeah. But. Maybe that would be something to do one time. Try to pick out a game that is so bad it's good and do it for a game club. I could probably find a few. But the question is, ones that I would still not want to kill you for uh, suggesting. <laughs> well, good luck on that one. I'm, uh, I'm not sure how well that would go. But speaking of games... Indeed. Speaking of games, let's go talk about the games we played this week, Rach. Well, I only had you wanna... one this week. I got an alpha access to Breach, which kind of wish I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That doesn't sound good. Oh, no. There's some interesting things in this game. Unfortunately, it's buried under a lot of bullshit. So, Breach is a multiplayer-based dungeon crawler. Uh, it's primarily supposed to be a PvP environment, I think. But it doesn't have the community behind it to really support PvP matchmaking. So, I was never able to actually get into a PvP matchup. But one of the interesting things is that it's an asymmetric Dungeon Crawler. So, some are, sort of the same idea that was behind things like Evolve, uh, where it's a team against a single person. But, in this case, it's a single person essentially playing Dungeon Master for a group going through a dungeon. Problem is that there's not a lot of content here already, and it's causing the community to up and leave. It shipped with four maps that each of them take 10 minutes tops to finish, and they're extremely repetitive. There's no reason to really go back to it unless you want to just get loot, which, yeah, that is kind of the point of a dungeon crawler, but. There's no mixing up of things. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself on this. It does some other things that are kind of weird. For one, this is an RPG where you're not building up a character. It's taking the League of Legends approach, or the MOBA approach, where instead you have a central account and you're building up all the individual classes. And it already has, I would estimate, 50 different classes that you could build up. Uh, try to uh, 
go through the leveling process and eventually unlock individual skills to be able to kind of mix and match individual characters. But because this is going to be a free-to-play game, you see where this is going already, aren't you? Yeah, massive grind and massive grind buying and buying pay to skip buying individual classes, and each class has the boba style of four uh, skills with the ultimate that charges up, sort of like Overwatch does, as you do damage or take damage or whatever. It builds up to a very or supposedly a very powerful ability. The starting classes. The ultimates are weak sauce, <laughs> to say the least. Okay. Uh, like, the, the one I spent the most time with was the Necromancer. Which you would think, Necromancer, that would be a pretty cool class, right? No. Okay. For, for I was going to say possibly. For, for, for some reason, Necromancer is melee-focused. That's weird. Uh, I'd expect Necromancer to be magic based well, well, and have a lot of like well, 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 revives. Well, and... uh, well uh, it uh, the, the Necromancer is so weird. So uh, you uh, all the classes have their uh, primary weapons, which for the Necromancer is anime-sized psi, you know, just giant psi. But in order to for the Necromancer to do much, they have to get a killing blow on something. And I kind of lied whenever I said characters had four uh, skills. They actually have five because they have a secondary attack. Uh, and for the Necromancer, it's just sending out uh, essentially a... Uh, it summons a, 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 a minion that runs up and explodes. All right? But the problem is that the Necromancer's ability takes so long to actually go through... It doesn't really do much because, you know, by the time it gets there, it's either the enemy's dead or people have moved on to the next enemy and it's just not doing much. And the thing is, the Necromancer relies on killing blows. So they have to do the final bit of damage. That means that you're going in there and starting to hack away because that's the only way to do reliable damage. There is another ability that does direct damage, but it is... The highlight of a lot of my problem with the game is it's on a timer. A lot of this game is on a timer. As in, individual portions of the dungeons, they're not really a dungeon crawl. It's more of a series of four-on-one encounters. So uh, the, uh, the map I did the most was the Egypt map. So you go in, and I'm going to screw up the order of this, but it doesn't really matter. So you go in, and the first uh, encounter may be, uh, okay, well, you need to collect uh, these relics and get them to a point, uh, a sort of a uh, one-sided capture the flag, while the AI or the other player, depending on what you're playing, either PvP or PvE, is trying to stop you. And it's okay. always that encounter. And depending on if you complete the counter fast enough or you get an ability point that you could put in one of three uh, choices. Like, you could have it where your dodge, uh, you get an extra charge on your dodge because charges, uh, dodges take charges for some reason in this game. Uh, your uh, health potions may also cleanse uh, 
uh, you, you have a status effects or, you know, that sort of thing. Some interesting things, but it requires you to win the encounter. If you lose the encounter, then the other side gets that ability point to put into a thing, which is interesting. But because there's no community behind this game, you're relying on the AI and the AI is brain dead. No, no, I take that back. That implies that there is a brain in the AI. Because, <laughs> because having to do this just myself with a bunch of bots, which, you know, is a decent way to at least, you know, get a feel for the game. If I wasn't playing the healer, the AI would just charge in and just hack away at the enemy and not try to dodge at all, it seemed. And this is a game that relies a lot on movement. It relies a lot on avoiding uh, 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 just massive damage soaks. And because the AI wasn't doing that, uh, they were dying a lot. There is a revival mechanic, but you know it's pr- pretty much your standard. You know, uh, you know, go up and dust the do- uh, uh, dust them off, and you know, they're get them back on their feet, and they're fine, right? hold F to revive. Exactly. And also, for some reason, the frame rate would just like go into one-third of what it was when it was out of combat. The particle engine for this game is highly inefficient. And of course, all uh, all the classes have very flashy moves. So, yeah, th- there is a possibility of something interesting happening here, just because of the asymmetric uh, nature of it. But... Oh, it's just one of those things that I don't think there's going to be a community behind it to really uh, uh, foster the uh, growth of the game, which is, which is a bit disappointing, honestly, because the uh, Void Demon, the uh, the uh, enemy side, uh, was actually very interesting because you are essentially this floating ball of energy that uh, cannot be attacked, uh, but you have uh, the ability to put down walls or uh, put down spikes uh, to try to freeze people. Or possess enemies, and whenever you're possessing something, it uh, you deal extra damage. Uh, so you try to single out someone. And all the uh, individual enemies, it's sort of like uh, Dungeon Keeper, where individual enemies uh, or individual units also has their own special abilities. Uh, so if you get good with it, you can actually uh, do some uh, interesting things with it. But the thing is, you also hit the odd skill ceilings where... If uh, that actually was one of the reasons that Evolved had so much problems was that it all relied on the monster. If the monster was very good, then it was going to be a very, very tough match to try to get uh, uh, any uh, progression with because they knew the map. They knew how to handle the monster. It was just going to be absolute devastation. But on the flip side, if they didn't know how to handle things, Yo, it was going to be a cakewalk. Well, the same thing is a problem here, where if the Void Demon is really good, they'll just, uh, yeah, wreck face. So I'm not sure how you'd really balance that, or even if you could balance that. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. But the thing is that it's just, there's so little content, the combat is so weak, the grind is real already. Uh... Uh, I, I'm trying to think of just how many matches it would take for just one class. I'm willing to say like 15 or 20, and that's with the booster uh, that you get uh, to start a new account. 
you know, essentially just trying to, you know, get you a couple of the medium uh, difficulty classes. Because all the ones that you start off with are essentially the easy starter, you know, uh, baby's first uh, uh, demon slayer. <laughs> right. I like that, baby's <laughs> first demon slayer. So, well, getting some of the more interesting classes is going to take some time, and honestly, with such little content, and the fact that it repeats verbatim, this game would have really shined with a little bit of a roguelite element, where individual challenges, since the map is essentially broken up into chunks. And it's not even, you know, just chunks. They're, you're sealed into individual rooms and the challenge has to be met in the timer or you fail. And the Void Demon gets at the point. Or if you if you succeed, then you're able to allocate a point. Then there's a timer to move forward. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, everything is on timers in this game. It's uh, really uh, quite hilarious, actually. Yeah, you know, individual uh, abilities are on timers. Uh, the moving uh, forward in the dungeon is on a timer. The individual uh, uh, encounters are on a timer. The only thing that isn't on a timer was actually the boss fight, but the boss fight, uh, I got such low FPS because so much uh, you know, flashy abilities were going off. It was actually really, really difficult, not even counting the fact that uh, my allies, and I use allies in massive sarcasm quotes, just would not dodge out of the way. So, you know, it, it, I was having flashbacks to some of my worst uh, WoW raids, you know. Uh, no, dodge! No, don't go in the fire, you idiot! Ugh. And then uh, the AI in Breach was also bad. <laughs> yep, you mentioned that. <laughs> I, uh... So I, I would I would be interested in trying this out. I'm not gonna pay yeah, to get yeah, I got, the Yeah, I got access. an alpha key for this. I would... Definitely not suggest paying in, to get in, especially at the $10 price point. The fact that there's only four dungeons right now, and the fact that they repeat. Uh, you know, this is one of those games that is so deeply flawed that I think it's going to take a complete rework of some of the mechanics to be able to fix. But the base idea is also sound. It's just... The combat is rather anemic. It's based around too much like... Uh, it, it tries to be too much like Overwatch, actually. <laughs> hmm. uh, even though it, there's definitely elements of the Boba genre with how they handled the uh, the class selection. Uh, and the... Uh, you know, just the, the roster. Uh, you know, it just feels like that they were making a MOBA game and they, it, you know, got confused and made a dungeon crawler somehow. Yeah. It has an interesting world where essentially uh, back in ancient times, uh, magic was sealed away and the world was kind of split off where essentially all of the uh, de uh, demonic races were uh, sealed away. But something happened. But because they're tying all the story into these dungeons, I'm getting bits and pieces out of order. And, you know, I'm saying they're having to do cliff notes, but then I realize I don't care. So I just say, fuck it. Yeah, it, you describing this kind of reminds me of that Fable game that was canceled that was asymmetrical and there was like, it was four players who played four different classes going into, you know, the dungeon and the fifth person was the, like, the boss mm -hmm. who controlled the dungeon. Yeah, I mean, this has been done before. Uh, dungeon Land uh, was another example of this where it was asymmetric. Uh, uh, that was more ARPG Diablo-like. Where 
uh, one person was a dungeon master and they were uh, throwing things at the uh, oncoming heroes. Uh, it also failed. It, the asymmetric uh, uh, multiplayer subgenre multiplayer is, uh, and I use the term subgenre very loosely in this, just as kind of a way to try to group these, is very difficult to balance. And because of that, it's, you don't really see a lot of them succeed. As a matter of fact, uh, only one I could think of that did even remar- uh, uh, marginally well was Natural Selection 2. But that's not even close to this. That was asymmetric sides. And it wasn't a four on one or three on one or whatever on one. Yeah. Uh, Which I've played and I like that game. Uh, Left 4 Dead 2 uh, or, or, or the Left 4 Dead series were also uh, a good example of asymmetric that did really well. But that, you know, it also highlights the uh, the problem of skill ceilings, right? Yeah. Which I didn't play Left 4 Dead 2 as much. I only Left played, Dead Dead I only played uh, co-op and I never played the competitive. Yeah, I played the competitive a couple times, but it was mostly co-op that I played. Like, I didn't play it enough to really get a good, you know, handle on this on it. Yeah, it's just... Everything feels like it's in an extremely early alpha. But I don't see them talking about alpha anywhere on this page. And let's see. Da, 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 I just want to see how long they're. Let's see. How long will they be on early access? Because that's the big thing. Uh, right now, the, the community, uh, according to Steam Charts, has sub 300 players. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, our goal uh, for Breach is to have a successful uh, free to play launch. To reach the goal, we are looking for backers to help uh, the game. Uh, uh, the game finished development. Well, good luck with that. Uh, essentially, they're tr- looking at people buying in as a donation, and they give back twenty bucks of uh, currency. Which, eh. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, let's see. We'll be in early access for as long as it takes to get uh, to make the, uh, this game feel great. So, in other words, years. <laughs> Forever. Yeah, it, another thing is that, and this kind of highlights a problem with combat in MMOs, is that the combat is literally just playing animations at one another. There's no weight or no oomph to combat. And that's more of a weakness of just MMO combat these days, where you know, you know, we expect more than just you know, flashy things and uh, a number popping up above an enemy, right? Yeah, although I do like those things. Flashy things and numbers. Yeah, but uh, uh, maybe I'm a little bit spoiled by Warframe where they have such solid sound design that you actually feel a weight to a lot of the weapons in that game. In this, there's just nothing. Uh, spells outside of just the, you know, tanking the frame rate because they're inefficient or, or at least inefficient on my system. Because I will say, yeah, it could just be my computer being a little bit on the ancient side. But there's also a lot of people complaining about the frame rate. But because there's just you know, no weight and no, uh, you know, enemies just feel like they ignore combat whatsoever. And also, you know, uh, the allies just ignore any well indications of you know, move. It feels like you know, there's just nothing to the combat whatsoever, which is also a little disappointing. 
It'd be interesting to see what this game is like uh, with a full party. But I just was never able to get the matchmaking to well match me up with anyone. Even in the yeah. hub, uh, th- this uh, shows you that yeah maybe there's a problem with the community here. I saw in the central hub one other person ever. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, not a good sign. I uh, requested a key on key mailer. We'll see if I get one. Uh, they were doing a. I'm not sure if they still have it, but on Alienware they had a. Uh, uh, Alienware Arena. They had a giveaway. That's where I got it. <clears throat> Let's see. I'm quickly going over to check. Uh, yeah, they still have uh, 2,700 keys left. Sweet. You get a link? I would like one of them there, links. Uh, sorry, I'll I just have a Zelda. <laughs> Touche. Touche. There you go. I'll grab it. Maybe we can check it out this weekend or something. Alright. Uh, key. Login. Uh, Remember password. Compelling content. Yeah, that's... that's Yeah. Current password. I don't know. One, my two, three, four, five. Oh, wait. That's uh, the password on my luggage. All right. Let's try again. Get key. I am not a robot. Success. Just a Steam key, I presume. Yeah. Sweet. I will definitely probably be cutting this out. <laughs> I'm not even sure if this qualifies as good Franken content. All right. But in other cool. words, at least on solo content, did not enjoy Breach. Uh, even uh, playing a healer, trying to you know keep the uh, the AI uh, somewhat not dead. Uh, everything just t- turns into a clusterfuck, and it's all you know point uh, uh, aiming heals. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you know how lovely that is, right? Uh, there's not a uh, targeting system for allies. It's just, yeah, pointing their general direction and use of ability. And also, it doesn't really highlight, you know, what your character uh, has to do uh, for some things. Because uh, the healer uses a uh, rebuildable resource that uh, is essentially a buff on them. But it doesn't say that anywhere, so and the UI is a little bit shit for showing what buffs there's on you because it's all just little itty bitty icons. So it was very difficult to figure out, okay, why is it not letting me heal and try to find it? And typically in these games, okay, and most MMOs, where are the buffs on your screen? Um, they're underneath or beside, you know, somewhere near your character icon. Yes, which would be where? Typically in the top left corner. Or top right. Yeah. <clears throat> this, uh, the icons are in the bottom center that, and they're extremely, extremely, extremely tiny. At least in the build I played. To the point that I had to kind of squint to see, okay, is that icon that I'm supposed to be keeping an eye on? 
Uh, especially for the healer, which uses a depletable resource that regenerates over time. Not fun. Not fun. But Yeah, I'm intrigued by this game, but it doesn't sound super great. It's not great in its current form. That, that That's what I'm saying, is that right now it's kind of shit. Uh, especially since I'm looking at their roadmap here, which, you know, uh, they have one new map that just came out. In April to June, they have another new map that's due to come out. And then in July to September, they have another new map. So they're doing one map every two months. Not a great piece of content, honestly, with how short these maps are. And like I said, the grind is very real in this game. And of course, it has you know, a premium currency. Well, yeah, of course. As a split currency, so yeah, wouldn't expect it any other way. Mm-hmm. Of course, right? Gotta, of course, gotta obfuscate uh, the uh, uh, just how much you're spending on things. And of course, the biggest thing is uh, uh, the biggest bunch of currency is of course ninety nine dollars because of course it is. Of course, wouldn't expect anything less or more. Just precisely that. All right. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and do my three games. My my theme for this week is games my kid wanted to play with me. So the first thing I've got on here is Peggle. The original Peggle came out in like 2006 or 2007. Okay, um, a quick a- uh, uh, question for you. Uh-huh. Or, or more of a or more of a suggested to uh, any mobile developer out there. Why the hell is there not a a, a, a a big explosion of Peggle clones on mobile? That's a good question. Because um, I, I actively looked for it uh, when I was like, you know, Peggle would be fun on mobile. Nope. I couldn't find a, I can find a couple that are the same sort of idea, but nothing fully Peggle. Yeah. I mean, Peggle is an excellent game. Um, it's fairly simple. There are uh, different designs of these little, uh, well, you know, peggle dot things you have to hit. That's Plinko from Paris um, is Right. Yeah. And, you know, they make cool shapes and designs and things that go cute with the backgrounds for whatever, you know, the level is that you're playing. There's orange, blue, green, and purple. The orange ones, you have to clear out all of them in order to win the stage, if you're playing by yourself, the green one activates whatever character you're using, their special ability. Purple are worth bonus points. And then the blue ones just give you, you know, points as you hit them. And the more orange ones you get, the higher the multiplier you get. Where it gets interesting is that the each of the, I believe, eight characters, there's either eight or ten different characters. They each have little special abilities. Uh, the first one that you get, which is a unicorn... Um, he his special ability is called Super Guide, and it shows you where your ball's gonna go after the first bounce. So you can try and you know set up some better shots. There's a dragon character that his special is a huge fireball that takes out a whole bunch of of pegs, um, and it bounces off the bottom. So you have a chance to get like some ricochets and some better shots. There's uh, the rabbit, which has got the most unpredictable power but one of the best ones because he's like a magic rabbit and he's got a spinner 
that hits different abilities. And you can get, like, the magic hat, which sort of acts like a magnet and sucks it towards pegs um, and then gives you a big uh, multiplier off of them. There's, like, a straight-up points multiplier, and then he can randomly get other powers from the other ones. I mean, you know, there's there's the rest of them. I'm not, I'm not going to go into all of their abilities. But everything is very cute. The music is very cute. It's an ode to uh, joy. It is. You get... It, <laughs> Whenever you win, uh, you get Ode to Joy that plays and like rainbows shoot out and uh, you get like slow motion on your ball as it goes into the final, uh, hit the final peg. And then uh, if you clear the entire board, you get like a super peggle or something like that and get like maximum multipliers. It's very fun and exciting and happy. And I like it and my kid likes it. And I first showed it to him. I'm like, hey, check this out and just showed him the single player stuff. Uh, but it's also got an offline multiplayer. I think it's called like head to head duel or battle or something like that. And you play on the same map and you just take turns. Um, instead of getting 12 balls, you, each player gets six and they just take turns on the map or on the board. And, uh, whoever gets the highest score wins and it keeps track of your score across how many games you play. So, um, you know, you can compare overall scores at the end and how many wins each player got. And my kid loved it. And then he started playing it, and he's surprisingly pretty good at it. Like, he figured it out pretty quickly. Initially, he was just like, I'm going to shoot all the things. And then he's like, oh, it, it bounces, and I can get more. And I can score more points than Daddy if I, like, try really hard. And there's no complex, like, mechanics or anything. And, you know, it's just... I play it on Xbox, so it's just use the left stick to control your aim and press A to shoot the ball. And that's it. Uh, there's a couple other things. Like, you can speed up time if you're trying to get something timed just perfectly. You can There's, like, an instant replay button where you can see the last shot. But otherwise, I mean, there's no special mechanics or anything. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. But it's a ton of fun. And if you're interested in this game, like, but you don't have a, you know, a kid or someone that you feel like playing with, there's a huge amount of content. There's a air quotes story mode that basically takes you through all the characters introduces you to them and all of their abilities and then there is a shitload of challenge modes um starting with like uh win with you know only uh only five balls like you get five balls and you have to clear the board and then there's the next higher difficulty it's like you only get four balls and you have to clear the board and so on up until one there's score challenges where that you know you have to get there's a set of levels and you have to get like a hundred thousand points which is really easy and then two hundred fifty thousand, which is difficult but doable and then you know five hundred thousand and so on um so there's all of those there's the multiplayer the local there's online multiplayer which still has some players who play it um just like messing around i was able to find a couple of games but uh i mean it's one of those things like the people who are still around playing the original peggle from you know 2000 whatever on In other Xbox words, they go are you. so good yeah there's yeah um i mean you can get this on pc as well i think there's a free version that exists that's only a small portion of the content at least i know there used to be yeah and that's the thing is that it on uh, origin PopCap, uh, was kind of dissolved by ea yeah yeah, uh, yeah, the... yeah they're in the graveyard yeah 
I know you can get it on Origin. It was given away for free at one point while they were doing their whatever they called their free games program. Um, I I'm going to look right now. I can't imagine that it's very expensive if you wanted to buy it. Let's see, Peggle details. Hmm, I can't see how much it costs on the store page because I own it? Question mark. It just shows up in my game library. Uh, $5. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's it's well worth five bucks. Easy. Um, it's, it's honestly like a game that I think would be worth like 20 or 25 bucks. Like, it's very simple, but it's very well crafted. There's a ton of content there, and it's loads of fun. Like, there's nothing really else to say about it. There's no complex story or anything like that. No complex mechanics. Just you. Yeah, but it's not a battle royale, so nobody cares. Yeah. Actually, it it's looks just like it may just be some... two uh, two bucks fifty. Shit, you you buy that shit right now, everyone who's listening. You go buy Peggle for two fifty. It'll be the best two fifty you've spent in a while. But yeah, I love that game. I love Peggle. It's great. My, my, I mean, my kid's gotten good enough that he can actually beat me sometimes, especially if I let him pick the, you know, the characters, because he'll give me one of the bad ones, and he'll pick one of the good ones, and that gives him enough of an edge that he can win, uh, which is fine. I let him do it. You know, the stuff you do for your kids, right? But, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Love Peggle. Good game. If you don't own it, you should. Uh, next game on my list is Lego Marvel Super Heroes. I've had this one for a while. I put a link to Steam, but I've actually got it on Xbox. Um, I mean, it's one of the Lego games, and specifically this one's Lego Marvel stuff. I mean, my kid likes superheroes. We watched Big Hero 6 this weekend, which he very much enjoys. Uh, and we've seen some of the Marvel animated stuff that's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or wherever it is. And I mean, he's getting been getting more and more into video games here lately. And I've had this for a while, and I've never really been interested in playing it myself. Like, some of the LEGO games are pretty good, but some of them don't really connect with me. Um, and just LEGO Marvel didn't seem super interesting to me. But he found it, like, digging through the cabinet looking for something the other day, and he wanted to play it. So we got it out and loaded it up and waited for, like, 40 minutes for it to download, like, 17 updates and install them. We went and played Peggle while we waited for that, actually. And then we played, you know, Lego Marvel Super Heroes, which, I mean, it's a Lego game. If you've played any of the Lego games, you've basically played this. Um, it goes through a huge roster of Marvel heroes and villains, each that have their own special abilities and powers, just like the other uh, Lego games, you know, Lego Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Batman, etc., etc., there's a story that takes place within the Marvel Universe, and this is the greater Marvel Universe, so not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For fans of the comics, it takes place in the 616 Universe, and it, it is its own unique story that has not been pulled from any comics, at least not that I'm aware of. Uh, we played it for a few hours, got through the first few levels, and then my kid kind of got bored with it. But... Again, this is something that's great for kids. Very simple mechanics, stuff that's very easy. It's a very forgiving game. Um, even the puzzle mechanics are very simple. My kid could work out what to do. Because, um, I mean, he's not played a ton of games, and his hands are obviously very small, so sometimes he struggles to hold the big Xbox controller, you know, or big for him. 
but uh, he got on pretty well with it, and I'm I'm sure we're gonna play it some more. I wonder if he would do better future. with a fight stick. With a what? A fighting stick. Again? Ah, maybe. I don't know. He likes to use my flight stick, so uh, he probably would. He, I mean, he gets how to use it. So, and my, he likes to just sit in here and play with my hotas. Like if we're playing a game on any other game, like Train Mechanic Simulator or Transport Fever or whatever, he'll be like, "Can I sit in your lap and and play with, you know." He doesn't call it the hotas, but he's like, play with the, the throttle. That's what he calls it, is the throttle and joystick. I'd be like, sure. And he'll just sit there and he'll pretend to, like, drive or fly stuff. But, I mean, we have played, like, Elite Dangerous, and he's used that before and and things like that. So, I mean, he, he probably could do okay with a fight stick. He does fine with the Wii, Wii motes because they're, you know, small enough to fit in his hands. But, I mean, there's not a ton to say about LEGO Marvel Super Heroes either. Like, all of my stuff is really short this week. It's a LEGO game set in the Marvel Universe. It doesn't quite have the charm of some of the older LEGO games. And the problem is is that they added voices to them. The LEGO games were much better when the LEGO characters just kind of mimed and grunted. But everyone's fully voiced. Um, you know, if you've seen any of the Marvel animated stuff, you recognize... Like, you'll recognize immediately at least some of the voice actors. You know, we obviously don't have all the characters unlocked, but I recognize some of them from Marvel animated stuff, so it's uh it's fine. If you like Lego the Lego games and you like Marvel and or you have kids that, you know, play games at your house, be it your own or just like nieces and nephews or whatever. It it's not a bad game. It's pretty clean from what I could see. Nothing that made me like feel like, eh, maybe my kid shouldn't be seeing this. So, I guess that's a, a ringing, it's okay endorsement. And then, uh, last game on my list, Factorio. I put the specific version that I'm playing with if anyone's interested. But, not a ton to say about this either. Obviously, I've talked about Factorio a million times on the podcast before. And maybe someday I'll go, if we ever decide to do it for Game Club, or if it ever comes out of early access you know, discuss the final version in some depth. But uh, also another game my kid has really gotten into, the the draw for him was he walked in the other day when I was playing and I was setting up a train network in my, my playthrough that I've been on. And he was like, ooh, a new train game. And I was like, well, not exactly. There's trains in this game. And he, you know, he pulled up his, his chair because he has specific a chair that's just for him in my office. And he sat down and he started talking to me about the game. And he's like, well, if it's not a train game, then what are the trains, you know, why are there trains? What do you do? And so I walked him around and showed him my factory. And then there was an alien attack on one of my walls. So I went over to check that out and defend it. And he's like, ooh, there's aliens. Can you fight the aliens? I'm like, yeah. Boy, he's, he's like, turning into a little Republican. <laughs> he was, and he was like, can you drive a train over the aliens? And I was like, yeah. Although that would be pretty difficult to set up on purpose. And he was like, I want to drive a train over the aliens. So we spent, like, the next two hours, like, setting up, like, railway net- a railway network that went out to where a whole bunch of alien spawners were. And driving around in circles to run over aliens. And uh, one of the things, I don't know exactly what version it came in. Because the last time I played before this was version 15 point something that did not have artillery. But there's now artillery pieces, and you can get fixed artillery, and you can also get artillery wagons for your trains. So you can create 
battle trains now. <laughs> uh, so we drove around with an artillery wagon on a train and shot up aliens and then also ran them over. And that turned into him like just being really interested. He's fascinated by the whole process of, of the game, like watching all the conveyor belts go and the different uh the whole Rube Goldberg things. machine. Yeah, he's really interested in all of that just cuz like, you know, I guess he found it mesmerizing or whatever. But he asked me lots of questions about it. And I explained to him everything that I can in terms that he can understand and I think he probably absorbs about half of that information, but that's pretty good for, you know, a kid that's not quite 5 yet. But we've had a lot of fun with it. And it's just something that we can sit here and he'll talk to me about stuff and beyond just the game. And it's really just been like a bonding vehicle for us. And every once in a while he'll get kind of bored and he'll be like, okay, daddy, let's go, let's go fight some aliens or let's build a new train that goes somewhere. I'm like, all right, we'll do that. So then we'll go and we'll fight aliens or build a train. It has, (laughs) it has thoroughly derailed my game progress, but that's fine. I don't care. I'm having a good time with my kids, so. I'll, I'll get those rockets up eventually. But, you know, like I said, I'm not really going to go too in-depth onto anything. I've talked about Factorio many times before. That, But, I mean, that's it. That's all three games that i played this week. Just nothing, like, super interesting or amazing. Peggle, definitely the better between Peggle and Lego Marvel Super Heroes. And then Factorio, just because it's something my kid has become fascinated with. Just that experience being something I get to, to talk about and share as a dad makes me happy. So this is my platform to do that, and I'm going to do it, damn it. So, but yeah, I mean, that's it for me this week. So, yay. Those have been the games we've played. Maybe we uh, weren't too far off in time. Nope. Not at all. Do you uh, I think always I'm all ask right. if you need a break? Okay, then we will move on to the news. And our first news topic, THQ Nordic does an AMA on 8chan. So, it turns out there's an Uh, (laughs) 8chan. Yep. So, 8chan is the place where people go who think 4chan is just too... Prudish? PC. (laughs) Yeah. Which, for anyone that knows 4chan, is damn. Yeah. But 8chan has had... uh, It's been... See what's the right verbiage on this? Google has delisted it from their search engine. Is that the right verbiage because of child pornography stuff being there? Uh, I, I would call quarantine at this point. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, I mean, the in the place... defense of THQ, I, I did not know about uh, 8chan. Did you know about 8chan? I did not. But. In the condemnation of uh, THQ, it's kind of your job of knowing what you're getting into when you're doing an AMA. Yeah. This is not good any way you slice it. Because, I mean, basically the two ways you can look at this is uh, they didn't realize what it was, which implies gross incompetence and negligence. Or they did know... And they did this as a stunt on purpose, which is its own set of grossness. But instead of, like, that feels malicious. Like, we're going to approach this place on purpose specifically to create a controversy which we can use for publicity. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, that follows the old adage of there's no such thing as bad publicity, but I don't personally subscribe to that theory, and I don't think a lot of people in this sort of modern world do. Uh, definitely the millennials are ruining advertising because they don't like, you know, that's something that they don't like is negative publicity. So from that side, that might be a little bit complicated depending on how you subscribe to PR, you know, what theory you subscribe to for PR. But either way you cut it, like they did it on purpose to create controversy, which is infuriating or they were grossly incompetent and didn't do their jobs. Yeah, and it's just mind-boggling that it got to this point on either way because, yeah, who would have thought that, uh, you know, going to a place where, you know, Google says, okay, that's a bit much, considering some of the things Google allows on their search engine. Yeah, there's lots of stuff you can find there that I'm like, mm, I'm not sure that, you know, I don't know about this. Yeah. It's just mind-boggling that this even got to the point where, yeah, they went along with it. Considering that when they announced it on Twitter just beforehand, people were saying, maybe you don't want to go there. <laughs> it, yeah. It's a nasty place. Let's not go there. But they went ahead anyway, and they were being asked by uh, some rather despicable things that I don't want to repeat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, this is a place that they uh, that considers 4chan too much uh, of a prude. So, yeah. <laughs> it's just mind-boggling. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, so uh, the marketing director who set this up for THQ, his name was Philip Brock, and I've got a, I had a quote here. Where uh, is it? Well, uh, uh, I, per- I wonder if he had to update his LinkedIn account uh, for, to former THQ. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think anything happened to him. Yet. Unless something, like, just happened, but um, let's see. Here it is. So I per- he see- he said he's quoted as saying in this article, I personally agreed to this AMA without doing my proper due diligence to understand the history and controversy of the site. I do not condone child pornography, white supremacy, or racism in any shape or form. Well, there's something that you don't expect to see from a uh, head of uh, public relations, huh? Yeah. It's just, oh, it's hard to be mad at this just because it's so stupid. But at the same time that, you know, yeah, this shouldn't come to this to begin with. Yeah. Um, I watched, we don't have it linked here. Um, Jim Sterling did, I can't remember if it was just a video or if it was like a special Jimquisition where he discussed this. Uh, and he brought up that a lot of the game or a lot of the developers that THQ Nordic publishes for, uh, voiced a lot of anger and frustration at this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, basically uh, called out... Yeah, THQ Nordic is a, a publisher, essentially, and or a, uh, basically what Valve used to be, a publisher slash game dev. And uh, THQ Nordic is very loose on what they... Uh, yeah, on the, the amount of control that they uh, exhibit over their uh, subsidiaries. So, yeah... Yeah. 
I could definitely so see why people, people would were... be pissed. Yeah. And I mean, even if, like, the thing that really gets me is, like, even if you don't know what 8chan is. Like, I didn't know what 8chan was before this. But if I heard somebody say 8chan, I would think, is this related to 4chan? And then do a quick Google search. And I'm sure I would find the answer to that question. And then be like, okay, I'm done. I'm not I'm not going there. But, again, that goes back to the very first point I made, which is either well, uh, gross negligence Well, the Eurogamer article is talking intent. about how some of their uh, developers are very uh, upset and are kind of distancing themselves away from THQ Nordic. Uh, Coffee yeah. Stain Studios uh, been uh, uh, clear on the, the distinction from them uh, from uh, THQ Nordic. Whenever you're, the developers that are under you are having to step away, that's a bad sign. Right? Yes, it is, indeed. Because even, even EA and Activision don't really get that. But THQ Nordic has. Bethesda doesn't get that. But THQ Nordic has. Because they're dumb. Big old dummies. And yeah, I agree with what you said. Like, it's really hard to be mad at this just because how how ridiculous and stupid it is. But at the same time, it is extremely frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, just another thing where you can go, well, welcome to the model- modern AAA gaming space. Or, you know, big budget whatever gaming space yeah i would say thq nordic is a, a solid double a uh, or double a plus welcome to the non-indie gaming space although indie developers have certainly had their f- fair share of you know i mean, getting in the shit about something i would just love to know what was going through this guy's head to a- a- accept this no matter how professional they uh, approached them yo you, you you poke around, right? Yeah, uh, especially if it's a place that you're not familiar with. I mean, God, I, I would understand this a lot more if this was like some oddball subreddit. Yeah, because you know they'd probably see, oh, this is uh, Reddit, so you know it's uh, yeah, it's fine. Even though Reddit is not really its uh, own central thing. I mean, it is. It has a central set of rules, but. It's more of a confederation of individual subreddits that each has their own thing and own uh, focus. So I could uh, see a lot easier them getting trapped by some sort of oddball subreddit that may not be what it uh, uh, appears at, uh, at first, but 8chan? <laughs> yeah. And the fact that people are upset for them uh, apologizing to uh, to for this AMA in the first place and trying to distance themselves from this mistake by saying that, oh, well, it's your free speech. But you, you shouldn't have to apologize. The fr- uh, freedom of speech does not condone you being an asshole. And apologizing for a mistake is not saying that you're against free speech. At least in my opinion. No, I agree with you on that. But that's also, you know, uh, p- uh, some people going uh, the whole social justice warrior or anti-social justice warrior, depending on what side of the things you're, go- you're going on. And uh, that gets in its own messy, messy uh, place where, you know, people that are against uh, SJWs uh, think that they have to be assholes to do so. 
And that causes uh, the other side to react even stronger. Then it's a back and forth. And I'm just sitting here in the middle thinking both sides are stupid. Indeed. The thing I I try or I constantly point out to people is it's like just because at least, you know, in the United States and in some other places that have, you know, some sort of, of law or, or something that guarantees or protects free speech, like freedom from speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. Um, just that the, you know, specifically, at least in the case of America, I'm not as familiar with other countries, but you know, the, that the government can't prosecute you for something that you say, but you're in a public space where other people have both their freedom of speech and the ability to tune you out, shut you down, throw you out. Well, the classic example is shouting fire in a crowded theater. Yes, you have the freedom to do so, but you also are going to suffer the consequences yeah and well yeah the country has libel and slander laws as well to well at least in theory (laughs) to uh, protect against untrue speech but you know that's trying to get a little bit political right now (laughs) indeed indeed um yeah I don't really know if I have anything else to say about this. I feel like I've made my point very, very clear. Yeah, it's just, it's stupid that it happened. It's stupid that this was allowed to happen. It's stupid that people got outraged uh, over the apology that this happened. Yeah. There's just, a, this is like a black hole of stupidity. So shall we move on to a... Another black hole of stupidity, if I'm... Yeah, I am right on my uh, topic list this time around. Indeed. So the next topic on the topic list, Anthem joins our recurrent news cycle debacle with another issue. With this issue being that it is uh, bricking PS4 consoles. I like the Jim Sterling uh, title for this. Not even PlayStations want to play Anthem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's a good, good title. Yeah, I haven't seen the Jim Sterling video. You just uh, just found out about it when we were getting the yeah, report. Uh, but I have read through the articles and then that Reddit post where someone thinks that they know what is actually going on and the solution to the problem. Uh, I didn't see it's the not... uh, post. Uh, what is uh, what's causing this? So what this guy thinks this is from the Reddit post thinks that is actually happening is that um, it not that it's breaking the console. But what it's doing is it's corrupting the PS4's file management system, uh, which can be repaired from safe mode in the PS4. And the, the the Reddit post goes into how this guy, like why he thinks that's what it is, and he's encountered this with another game before on PS4, and how to actually repair it. And he goes through some steps. It's pretty simple, but you just basically boot it into safe mode and then rebuild the, the database, which fixes the issue. Uh, at least according to the post. And that's assuming that your console even loads up because there's been reports of a full bricking where, you know, it doesn't even load up. Yeah. But the fact that, yeah, it could corrupt your file system, uh, I believe that is a bad thing. That is definitely a bad thing. And that that should not be in a fully uh, released game, let alone a game that's been released... uh, 
Uh, what's the final tally on this? Four, five, four, five times. <laughs> because of yeah, course, you know, like this that. is an EA title, so you know they have to produce the spreadsheet that <laughs> uh, lets you try to figure out just yeah when you're actually going to be able to play the game based on how much money you put out. Yeah, and then you have to so read they- some tea leaves to get the final release date. Yeah, so this initially started with just a lot of major, like, uh, hard crashing, mostly on PS4. There are reports that it's happening less frequently or more sporadically on both Xbox One and PC. Um, But PS4 experiencing it frequently. Then it developed to there were certain people reporting that it had bricked their consoles, going so far as, like, some of them wouldn't even, uh, you know, they would power on, but they wouldn't actually boot up. Um, which is where this guy came in and was like, actually, it's probably not bricked. It's probably this issue. Boot it into safe mode and then do the thing. But, I mean, you know, there's no proof that that's, like, you know, you'd have to go through every single one to figure out if that's the case or if it actually bricked any. So, I'm like, I'm content saying, like, yeah, it's probably bricked a few consoles. But that's pretty intense. I don't know of any other game that has done that. I know that uh, No Man's Sky was doing some hard crashes at one point. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of games on console now that repeatedly or regularly hard crash. Yeah, welcome as, to you know, the current gaming uh, space where uh, even if you buy after release, you're a beta tester. Indeed. I mean, that's something that, you know, sometimes... I mean, I mean a PC rare anyways. crash or, you know, something going on, but this sounds pretty frequent. And I haven't yeah. seen anyone talk about an actual trigger that's causing this. Yeah. Initial reports were thinking, ah, it's crashing because it, because it's overheating. Nope. That was a problem with the Xbox 360 in particular. Lots of games would push the console too hard. It would crash. Uh, honestly, uh, the Xbox 360, it sending auto, would, uh, it would cook itself. Because that it was way overpowered for the amount of heat dissip- dissipation that I had. It didn't have enough of an active uh, cooling system in it, so it would eventually just cook itself. Yeah, and the initial launch wave of the 360 had bad soldering, so it would get hot enough to melt its soldering. Yeah, which there was some people talking about how it was a distinction on how they were trying to uh, get a, a certain, uh, uh, it not labeled as a toy, so they were using a particular type of solder that wasn't as good, or that's, this is a lot of, Hearsay that I'm trying to remember from like a decade ago now. <laughs> but essentially they were trying to use lead-free solder to try to uh, get a, a certain label not applied to the console. If memory serves correctly. And it was substandard on top of the Xbox not having that good a heatsink for what it needed. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was kind of screwy. So, well, on the plus side, I mean, I, it could double as a as a hot plate. Indeed. Um, but so yeah, I mean, this is I, I've not heard of a game being this bad with this issue on console in this uh, I don't know current generation, current whatever you want to call the odd console cycles that we're on. Um, but. Uh, you know, I have seen my fair share of crashes when I used to play more Xbox One games, uh, but nothing that ever, like, breaks the console in some way or another. You know, whether it's bricking or somehow uh, 
corrupting the the file structure or any of the actual data on the console itself. Like I've never seen that on any game I've ever played before. And I, if it has happened before, I assume it's an extremely rare issue. You know, like this one is, uh, this one's a big one. And even if Anthem had had like a perfect launch, this would be something that would be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And Anthem did not have a perfect launch to be, uh, polite. <laughs> Almost said perfect lunch. Anthem did not have a perfect lunch. Well, I'm pretty sure they, they, uh, they did probably not have a have perfect launch after their initial perfect, uh, imperfect launch. All, all of the devs had a perfect lunch when they, you know, went and took one instead of working on the game for it to have so many problems <laughs> and to have taken like 1,800,000 years to develop. Uh, well, hey, uh, you got to give, uh, you got to cut Anthem a little bit of slack. This was their beat. Wait, wait, uh, this wasn't their B team? That This was them actually trying? Well, it's, well, I mean, well, it's their A team, right? It's called Anthem. It starts with an A. It's their A team, right? Uh, well, I'm uh, pretty sure it's about to be their D team because... I, I, they're done. Well, I was going to go with dead because, you know, yeah, I, I, honestly, I will be surprised if in a year Bioware still exists in its current form. And I hate to say that because of the pedigree Bioware has, but they're just having so many problems with Anthem. And EA has been so quick to pull the plug on more lucrative studios. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's just, I don't have high hopes for Bioware. I mean, I, I, you know, I have hopes, but they feel very unfounded. They feel very like grasping at straws. I would go with delusional at this point. Yeah, I mean, I expect that they'll get this worked out because if they don't, well, that's kind of the space that uh, modern gaming is uh, now. You know, you you wait a couple years down the line, assuming that the community sticks with it, then uh, you you wait for the Reddit post. uh, Blank game is actually good now. Yeah. But I mean, I assume they'll get this worked out probably sooner rather than later, because if they don't, it's to say that it's bad for them would be, I think, the biggest understatement of the year. But yeah, I don't. uh, mm. It's not good, guys. It's not looking good. Uh, I I would say that's an understatement. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, last week I said, like, you know, I'm in on this game at some point. At some point, you know, there'll be, like, someone saying that, like, now's the time to jump in. And, uh, you know, I'm still... I still feel that way. Because the thing is, it's like, I expected shit like this. I really did. You know? Maybe not, like, this bad. Well, it's a live service game. So shit. you gotta expect that the launch version's gonna... Just gonna be bare bones. At, that, at, yeah. That's at best. And so all of these issues don't really change my mind. Because my mindset was like, well, I'll wait for him to deal with all of this crap and then if the game still has you know legs on it at some point then i'll jump in so and also like this is kind of a fuck those dirty console peasants thing but this is way worse on console than it is on pc there the crashing issues and stuff well i thought you were just gonna say the gameplay in general And I haven't seen any reports about it doing, like, extra bad things to the PC players. Yet. And I assume that they would be bitching even more just, you know, based on the sort of reputation of PC gamers versus console gamers. 
So what you're saying, PC gamers don't put up with shit. Yeah, something like that. So, you know, still in that holding pattern. I'll get there eventually, or the game will die, and then it won't matter. I'll go play something else. I'll just go back and play Factorio or Battletech or one of the hundreds of games I have on Steam that I haven't played. <laughs> I'm not going to be too broke up about it if it goes to shit before I get a chance to, to, to play it. Yeah, I think you'll be more broke up over just the fact that it's Bioware that's uh, you know, going down. Yeah. Because... I still yeah. like that demo, though. They put a good vertical slice together for that demo, in my opinion. Well, they hooked a lot of people, it seemed. Yeah. I'll always cherish that special moment before I sobered up. But uh, Speaking of things that are sobering? Indeed. Let me go back to the topics list, unless you're there and want to read it. Uh, Devil May Cry 5, previs live-action cutscenes trailer... They are doing something interesting for the deluxe edition of the new Devil May Cry game. It's something that's actually interesting. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, for those who have not seen this, go to the show notes, vglpodcast.podbean.com, ding, and look at the a video on this uh, in the show notes. We'll wait. Yeah, we'll wait. Good thing that even your kind of whatever you call that is so off key that I don't think we're going to get a copyright strike. Nah. Which is which is you're you're just bad. So bad. I'm so bad. You're you're so bad that Michael Jackson would just go no 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 you can have that. I'm I'm touching my penis now. Well, pretty much when aren't you? Fair. Fair play. But I was touching it like in a Michael Jackson style. I grabbed my crotch. Put one put my other arm up in the air. Ow. So should we Anyways, get, actually get back on topic? Yeah, let's do that. A little bit of Frankie content, right? So Yeah. This is actually a really in my opinion, kind of cool thing that they're doing for the deluxe edition, where they're taking the kind of their notes that they were using to do the cutscenes for the game and sharing them with the community as a little bit of added feature and having the deluxe edition have a essentially a switch in it where you could go between their concept shown uh, their uh, concept notes uh, just acting out the cutscenes to try to figure out how to animate them or the actual finished product it's just such a neat idea that I've never seen anything quite like this and it made me wish that more deluxe editions actually had something that was well kind of well deluxe you know yeah special you were um, talking about, uh, what was it, Halo 2 that has something sort of like this, but not really, with a Pixar uh, animation of, uh, or a Pixar-like animation of them taking their goofs and animating them. Like, uh, yeah, like, I can't remember if it was Halo 2 or Halo 3 on the special edition bonus disc. Um, they There were outtakes from the, you know, from voice acting, or the voice acting, or 
God, God damn it. The voice recording sessions, and they animated those uh, and stuck them on the bonus. Yeah, which is why I call it Pixar-like, because uh, Pixar does the same thing where uh, they'll take uh, just goofs, but they'll also uh, intentionally do uh, kind of just gags uh, in their credits and an- uh, animate those. So, yeah, that's why I called it that. So, yeah, it's... It's kind of the same idea, but not really, because this is them taking what their notes are and uh, sharing them. And it got me thinking, what would we actually like to see in a deluxe edition that isn't normally offered? And I kind of want to go back to what Valve used to do with full uh, uh, voiced commentary. It's not something I want to see just in a deluxe edition, but if it had to be, fine. Uh, Do, uh, you know, Full voice commentary, or even better, and I'm blanking on the full motion game that it had it. It was a Sega CD game where there was an option to uh, have them essentially make fun of the entire game, a la Mystery Science Theater. I'd love to see uh, something like that, but that also, you know. That requires, I think, a a little bit more jokey nature of their own content that I don't think a lot of uh, major developers would want to do that. I think Devolver Digital would definitely be on board, though. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, it takes more than that, too. It takes the right sense of humor and the right presence to be able to pull that off anyways. And and the the right performance as well. But just uh, just commentary in general. Or uh, something else I'd like to see is... Uh, a recording of the voice actors doing their lines. Uh, because a lot of times it they are more of a performance and they're uh, trying to put more of their character into their uh, actions as well for, to uh, given uh, the animators an idea of what to do whenever they're doing it for a motion picture. I would imagine it would be sort of the same for a video game. So I would like to see something like that. It doesn't have to be the yeah, full I've voice en- section uh, session, but, you know, kind of the highlights. Yeah, I've enjoyed those on, like, DVD special feature discs back when those used to be packed with good special features and not just trailers for other shit in, like, three-minute segments. Oh, don't forget whatever. the trailers to before you actually get to the main menu to uh, watch the movie. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Never click fast play. Fastplay gives you those unskippable trailers. I've learned that from all these stupid Disney DVDs from my kid. Never press Fastplay. Always just hit main menu. You can skip five minutes of bullshit. Fastplay is so slow. Fastplay or uh, too slow? What about yeah. ludicrous play? <laughs> the only thing Fastplay is good for is if you want to start the movie for your kid and just walk away. Just hit Fastplay. Yeah, but then they're selling you a bunch or selling your kid a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. I want to see all these movies, Daddy. No. Not going to buy those. But anyways, yeah. Um, I like to see more making of stuff. Uh, uh, sort of like how uh, the no-clip doc- uh, documentaries are? Yeah, I'd love to see more of that included in special editions of games. I- I've always been fascinated with that stuff. Um, that was another thing that was in the Halo special editions. And I'm going to, like you know might reference those a couple more times i didn't i rarely bought special editions of games i've always kind of been this way like i don't give a shit about yeah same here about that i think the but last the last few... special edition i got was actually oblivion and that was 
uh, on sale at the time. Oh my god, I loved the because they had like god two DVDs. Yeah, I, I don't. Special yeah, I don't recall what uh, yeah, I don't really remember much on the DVDs. I still have it. Yeah, I don't because I had it the special edition for Xbox 360, and it's just I don't know if it got lost or if I sold it when I transitioned to PC gaming or what, but I don't have that anymore, and it makes me sad. Because there was, I think, I think it had four DVDs. I think there were two special features ones and the game. And maybe one of them was the soundtrack and not the game. Yeah, I do remember that one guy talking about, uh, well, I really like the undead, so I use them everywhere. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, But I do have the coin still sitting on my desk. I was waiting for you to tap it. Oh, uh, that requires me to bring my phone because it's uh, sitting behind my phone stand. Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, I get the the septum coin. Mm-hmm. But I love making of stuff. I just like to get into the nitty-gritty, you know, the process, uh, you know, what goes into the creative process for this stuff. And, I, I like I said, I've always been that uh, way. I've even if uh, they talked about some of the, the and... cut stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, on uh, more, uh, like, puzzle-oriented games or uh, stuff like that, because... That's one thing that I really found interesting in the portal uh, commentary was them talking about how, well, we originally had this idea for uh, the gels or this idea for uh, the uh, vacuum tubes actually didn't uh, really do a lot. And they were talking about why they didn't do that because it you know, wasn't compelling gameplay. It, it was too uh, linear. It, uh, so uh, they ended up cutting a lot of uh, the content that they actually sh- showed in some of the trailers. Uh, and uh, I just found it fascinating about them being honest about what's going on, but that also requires a level of transparency that you don't really see a lot anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that may also be a bit of a uh, monkey wrench in this, uh, this sort of thing, where a lot of this requires a lot of transparency, a lot of uh, kind of uh, sharing a lot of stuff that you know, some of these developers, they may not want to share. Because some of it may be stuff that's worked into other games. It may be uh, something for the sequel. It may just, uh, yeah, uh, they, uh, the people behind the scenes may not just want to be part of that, you know? Because I also, you know, I, these guys have to know that, you know, this video looks stupid and silly. But be comfortable enough that they're willing to put themselves out there. Because you know that there's going to be all sorts of memes, all sorts of jokes made from this video. Or, or from these cutscenes, I should say, because it's not an individual video. It's all the cutscenes in the game. All the setup, all the blocking, essentially, of it. And some of it is just so goofy. Of, you know, a, a van attached to a stick, and it's spinning around. <laughs> and it's almost you know, childlike you're just imagining all of them, you know, making the rocket noises and everything <laughs> as they're uh, doing it. Uh, yeah. And it requires a, being very comfortable about releasing that sort of thing. And I think that's going to be something that you know, holds back a lot of possibly interesting content to be away from a deluxe edition. But I do applaud them for, you know, and this is kind of getting back to the story, them making the deluxe edition deluxe and not being just uh, you get an alternate uh, skin and that's it yeah that you know that that sort of thing 
is boring to me. Yeah, and I think that's like, oh, part, just get some news. And I think that's part of the reason why uh, the deluxe editions have uh, gotten so boring is that it's not a lot of effort. Yeah, typically it's just like some extra, extra skins, maybe the soundtrack, some background images, stuff like that. And I mean, soundtracks are nice, but that's just become like a thing that every indie game and lots of you know double and maybe even some AAA releases do. It's just like you can just get the soundtrack, which the way I say that kind of makes me feel like I'm coming across like an asshole. But it's just like that's just a thing now. Like that's not doesn't feel like something that should belong in a special edition. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, or as like one of the special features or whatever. Or if it's not uh, just in the special edition, you'll have a partial soundtrack as the base game and the full soundtrack as the deluxe. Yeah. Because, uh, well, getting into the next thing, (laughs) uh, since we're talking about deluxe editions and what, you know, we expect in them, Dead or Alive is kind of uh, doing the opposite of this, and their season pass is $93. And that's just the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah, You heard that right. Uh, and I-, I should clarify on this before we get going. This is in U.S. dollars. All right? 93 U.S. Yeah. Just letting that kind of sink in. The deluxe edition for them is what, what did I say? What it was seventy something? Yeah, I think you said it was seventy nine. Whatever. Yeah, it's just what the fuck, All right? Yeah. I. When did we see this trend really start? Like, I know season passes have been a thing for a little bit. Oh, oh. But was it Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront, the EA, you know, re-release in 2015 or whatever, that had the season pass that was like 60 bucks? Oh, well, the one I remember is Fallout 4 actually upping the price. But that wasn't the first one that was, you know, that price point. It was that they kind of realized, oh, we could get away with this. But let's see, uh, the uh, just to clarify prices on this before we get too much further. Dead or Alive uh, uh, 6, with bonus, might add, uh, I might add. Uh, all the, uh, well, it's on the release, uh, so these are 10% off. And unfortunately, because it's crossed out, it's a little hard to see. Uh, well, let's just go with the uh, sale price. Okay, the release price is $53.99 for Dare Life 6. The digital deluxe edition with bonus is $71.99. Uh, normal price is right at 80. The season pass is $92.99, so $93. First of all, kind of odd price, isn't it? I was going to say that seems kind of odd and arbitrary anyway. It's like $93. Like, why not just pick 95 or, hell, 99.95? Like, if we're going there, why not go all the way? Why not? Why leave it at a weird $93? Yeah, it's just, uh, it makes me wonder if the there's a, uh, if... Like in Japan, it's a, a nice even number, and they're just doing a direct uh, a, a conversion of the price. Maybe. 
But yeah, uh, fighting games are notorious about just nickel and diming people. But uh, this is yeah, just uh, full dollar billing. Hundred dollar billing. Oh well, almost. And the thing is that it, you don't get a lot in this. Uh, here's what you get. All right, you get uh, a wrestling costume for one character, a techromancer uh, uh, gear for another character. Uh, that's the bonus content. So I think that's on everyone. Question mark. Uh, but the featured content is a Happy Wedding Costumes Volume 1. 13 costumes. Happy Wedding Costumes Volume 2. Another 13 costumes. A Costume Pack Volume 1. That's also 13 costumes. Then you get Volume 2, which is also 13 costumes. Then you get a, a, a character. Um, May. Then you get a debut costume for the new character. That's five costumes. Or a, de- a debut set. Then you get an additional character, and they don't even say what the additional character is. And then additional character debut costumes. And you get five costumes for them. And that's it. And the thing is that, you know, depending on who those co- who that co- character is, you know, it may be a returning character that's locked behind a $100 price wall. And that's something that's notorious on the fighting game genre to begin with, is them taking a character out of a game and putting them in DLC for later. Yep. It's just, this DLC is just ludicrously priced. Yeah. All of this is just... Dumb? Yes. It feels gross to me. I I hesitate to use the term gross uh, just because of the connotation with it, but... Yo, uh, I know, I agree, but this does genuinely feel gross to me. Like it's being exploitative and manipulative beyond what typically this sort of thing does. It feels like they've like, you know what ninety three dollars feels like to me. They did a whole bunch of testing and figured out that ninety three dollars is where they could get the most bang for their <laughs> buck, so to speak. Like, uh, that's th- what that th- feels this reminds like. me of a joke that was uh, in the Drew Carey show where. They did uh, millions of dollars worth of testing to figure out that offering some hundred, uh, someone uh, $600 feels like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's exactly exactly what this feels like. Is They did a bunch of testing and figured out, okay, here's where we can get the most return on this. And, you know, not as many people are going to buy it, but the price point is enough for the low, the slightly lower volume or the lower sales expectations for the season pass would uh, work out to make them more long-term. Plus, you know, some of those people that are going to drive to purchasing the individual DLCs, which would get them uh, Assuming that, that they well, even uh, like, offer individual DLCs. That's the other thing, is that uh, there's no promise that this is uh, the uh, only Season Pass, because this is marked Season Pass 1. And they also say... Uh, and... Uh, I'm going to quote this verbatim. The game may contain content not appropriate for all. No, wait, that's the other thing, but it's also not appropriate for all ages. But, uh, no, the download of content, including the season pass, will release separately on later dates. Please note the, uh, I'm trying to find the proper note because, of course, there's like a half a dozen notes on this thing. Yeah. Uh, 
All content, including the season pass, will also be sold separately. Please be aware of redundant purchases. Uh, your, uh, you must purchase the characters before using the, these costumes. But the downloadable content, in, uh, I'm trying to find where it actually says it, but on the news article, they talked about how they may release DLC that is not part of the season pass later on. Which, it's kind of ridiculous spending, uh, let's just call it about $150. It's not exactly, but close enough. And not get all the content in a game. Ridiculous, huh? Yeah. Bullshit. Let's go beyond ridiculous. It's bullshit. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the reviews on Steam. It's a pretty, uh, pretty big, pretty, pretty large amount of people giving it negative reviews based solely on the price point of the season pass. Which I don't blame him. Oh, here's uh, this person says the season pass is 103 Canadian dollars. So if you want to buy the air quotes, he puts in air, air or puts it in quotes full game, it's going to cost you nearly 200 Canadian. That's just too much. Too much for this. I could buy. 20 games on Steam, 20 other games on a sale on Steam for 200 bucks, like, easy, without even thinking about it. And if you were really conscious of what you were buying and, you know, all that jazz, you could get... Oh, oh okay, here it is. Here, here's the note that I was looking for. Downloadable content not included in the list may be released during the same period, but it will not be covered by the Season Pass 1. What the fuck? And this is also in yeah. the middle of a bunch of notes as well. This is uh, the third note point. Friday Games is just in this unique uh, position where they are so exploitative. Where they bank on having certain characters that it's just disgusting to me. Sports games and fighting games are by far the worst on PC. Yeah. For sure. And just the fact that people bought this and are, uh, yeah, actually pos- uh, possibly reviewing it, even as a meme, is just mind boggling. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure there are people who genuinely like the game because they really like the series or they just really like fighting games in general. But I couldn't imagine giving this a positive review based on the business practices alone. Yeah, but uh, remember that uh, we are the outliers in this. You know, we are not the, the mainstream audience anymore. We're the enthusiast level. This is very true. Very true. And also, so. you know, we're a lot older than the main demographic these days. Yeah. Which is weird, because I'm not... Even though I say I'm old all the time, I'm not actually old yet. But... No, you you just had the decrepit part. (laughs) My body is broken. So, uh, because they're focused on... uh, Younger uh, uh, players that are more willing to part with their money, that haven't learned the... 
the value of a dollar, or I guess the value of a hundred dollars <laughs> these days, especially with this game. I think there's a, also that kind of, you know, you don't. Uh, I just thought of something. This is the old Steve Martin joke of him talking about, uh, you know, I could just uh, sell one ticket for a million dollars and be uh, set, essentially. Yeah. Oh, money. The value of money. Or That's a topic I'm not going to wander off into. Or like there of these for days? For many reasons. Yeah. Not we're not. Uh, I'm not going to go there. Well, uh, well are you thre- are you threatening to go political now? <laughs> no, I'm not threatening. I'm going to back away from the political edge. What you don't want to talk uh, about the fast food buffet again? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> uh, instead, I want to go talk about Xbox, specifically the Xbox Maverick console, Goose! as it's will be named the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. So this is interesting. Um, I mean, with this this is kind of... Well, not kind of. This is how PC gaming has basically gone. It's almost 100% purely digital. And we've had sort of these little snippets of conversation before about the console space becoming more digital, uh, trend for digital sales to go up while physical sales are going down. And at some point, I I just sort of, you know, kind of casually expected, you know, well, at some point, console gaming is going to be 100% digital. It'll get there eventually. And I wasn't expecting anyone to put this sort of product out there. Mind so you, soon. this is rumored right now. This isn't uh, 100% as far as I could tell. Yeah, that's fair. But... Honestly, it's not that surprising, uh, especially in the mid portion of a console uh, cycle, uh, because uh, a lot of the price of a, a console is tied up in the optical drive and everything that's required to run it. So cutting that out could be a uh, way to really uh, make a lot more profit per unit, because uh, typically, it's not always nowadays, when a new console is out, it's a loss leader. And eventually, as manufacturing uh, becomes more efficient and uh, new revisions of the console uh, go through, it becomes profitable. Well, if they, you know, cut the price on this a little bit, but it's still, you know, they're, you're, they're saving a lot more money by taking out the optical drive. Then I could definitely see you know, this being a lot more uh, tempting uh, for Microsoft to do, and, and even before getting into the whole idea of going full digital, because they're pushing their subscription service with it, they're pushing their streaming service with it, they're uh, pushing the uh, Xbox Store with it. So it definitely makes a lot of sense, especially if it's not for a mainstream gamer that could just go for all digital purchases and not have to worry about getting a physical version. But this is also going to be, you know, what happens with game rentals with this thing, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I was still a much larger console gamer, I would buy one of these in a heartbeat. Like, I mean, my entire, you know, I mean, the Xbox that we have is mostly a glorified Netflix machine at this point. 
Um, you know, some interest from my kid wanted to play games. I've been playing it a little bit more. But I mean, everything that we own, all of our media, we have digital copies of. If we've actually, if we've got the physical media of something at all, we have a digital copy of it. I've written my entire music and uh, video library because I've got, you know, a mix of Blu rays and DVDs. But I've got all of that ripped to digital. I've got a home server. Um, you know, I've got backups and copies. Like, you know, if we're going to watch something and it's not on Netflix, Amazon Prime, or Hulu, we'll stream it from the server. And if for some reason there's a problem, just throw it on a flash drive and plug it in and play it that way. Like, we almost never reach for discs anymore so you know if i was in the market for a new console i'd buy this it would work for me perfectly and it and yeah i mean you you know you mentioned this and they say it in the article but microsoft has really been pushing their xbox game pass um to keep people you know in this engaged in that digital storefront that they have basically um to keep people trying out their games um and you know participating more in their ecosystem basically because you know it gives you access to a bunch of different games that you can play for you know it's like i think it's like 10 bucks a month or something like that if you pay monthly versus paying for like a year subscription or whatever um so you know if they're going to continue pushing towards an all digital space it makes sense that they would do this i just like i said i just didn't expect it this soon maybe within you know on the next console you know, revision or generation or whatever, see it there or, you know, as like a one-off special edition. And, and again, like, you know, like you said, this is just a rumor, but it seems like they're, you know, going to make this one of the main line ones instead of like a special edition, like one-off, you know, how they'll do for like certain game releases or whatever, like a bundle or something. And you get like a themed console or whatever. Like it makes more sense to me that this would be that, and they just have a limited run or something like that, as opposed to it being the you know an actual edition of the console that they mass produce produce larger quantities of. But it will be interesting to see like what they actually do with the pricing because you know they they've all got Blu-ray drives in them, the Xbox Ones. They you know they've all got Blu-ray drives, which are you know I'm sure they get a manufact you know a, a bulk discount or whatever on the drives, but. You know, a consumer level. Yeah, especially. Uh, I would. And I would imagine Microsoft is a little, little bit chafed to have to give money to Sony for this. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, like it, it would cost me like between forty and fifty dollars to get a halfway decent Blu-ray drive. I would assume that they would get some amount of discount on that. So just for easy math, let's say twenty-five bucks plus whatever the fee is, they have to pay Sony. I mean, that could cut a minimum of 30 bucks out of the cost of every console. Well, you're, well, you're just thinking about place, uh, the, the drive itself, let alone uh, the uh, hardware inside to run it. And and yeah, they could also yeah, cut was... down on the power supply if they need to, because they're not actually spending a physical disc because yeah, the physical drive takes up a fair amount of power. Yeah. Also, they might be able to get away with less heat, uh, you know, like fewer heat sinks or changing, you know, simplifying their heat piping process, maybe, you know, saving a little bit on that too. Like a whole bunch of small things aside from the initial sort of air quotes, large cost of the drive itself. But, you know, you might be able to get 40 or 50 bucks and, you know, savings on the production cost of the box, which on a per unit basis is a lot of money that they save. So, you know, how much of that do they pass on or they keep at the same price? Also, if it's going digital only, one would, imagine that they would have to put a larger hard drive in it 
the standard Xbox One still comes with a 500 gigabyte hard drive. I th- the, I think the One X comes oh, that's with amazing. a terabyte. No, no, no. That they still make uh, 500 uh, gigabyte hard drives these days. Yeah, I know, right? I think the One X comes with a one terabyte. It might be a two terabyte hard drive, and then I think the Xbox One S has a one terabyte hard drive. But if you're going all digital, I would assume that they would need at least a one terabyte drive, potentially two. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're going or, all digital, or do you think all- that they'll uh, do a RAID system where you know it's uh, multiple hard drives combining into one? That's probably asking a bit imagine. much uh, for uh, for this particular version of it. But later I on, I can imagine them doing that just because, like, if you have one drive, that like it increases their true. chances for issues, you know, for quality control. Which Microsoft, you know, after the you know we talked about the Xbox 3, Xbox three sixty earlier, like after that initial batch, the Xbox platform has been fairly stable in that respect. The Xbox One has not had major problems like that. Generally, they've got pretty good quality control, customer service, that sort of stuff. I imagine the RAID, you know, using a, what would that be, a RAID 0? If you're just basically combining them into two. Yeah, maybe I'm... Uh, combining two drives to use as one. Yeah, maybe I'm uh, jumping the gun on uh, them wanting to do something like that. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I'd be comfortable with that in, in my console. I'm not even really comfortable about running a RAID 0 in my PC. I think it's RAID 0. I'm, I apologize, listeners, if I'm using the wrong term. Sometimes RAID can be confusing sometimes, depending on you know what terminology and what sort of setup you're trying to run. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. The, 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 I saw one uh, really good uh, way to uh, show the different type of RAID configurations, and it was using water coolers. Uh, yeah, RAID 0. It's called Volume Striping. Oh, and here it is, I think. Uh, under, uh, and it's a Reddit post. Here, I'll, I'll link it to you and uh, let you see this because it's uh, really quite amazing. Understanding RAID configs. Yeah, it's RAID 0, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I like that. Raid 1, Cluster, Raid 5. Yeah. Cool. I mean, you know, maybe I do want to play around with Raid at some point, but that's not something that... Like, if I fuck it up or if there's a crash, I don't... I I can't just readily go out and buy a bunch of new drives. So, that's the main reason I haven't messed much with Raid before. And also, hard drives are are still coming down in price. Or physical drives. At least last time I checked. They were up a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Uh, I looked into getting one, or, you know, was looking at PC building stuff a few weeks ago. And you can get a one terabyte drive from a very reputable brand easily under a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, sales or whatever, you can get them for under 75 as well. So, you know, storage space. I mean, storage space is coming down in everything. You can get uh, 500 gigabyte plus SSDs for around 100 bucks now, too. So, you know, we're getting there. I mean, now it's M.2. Uh, yeah, that's the, the new hotness. You know, the new hotness. 
I've spent, I always love when I've we spent have those way too moments. much time around you. Yeah, I love those moments. I feel unclean. Soulmate. Soulmate. Winky face. Unclean. Unclean. But Send help. And soap. <laughs> Anyways, back, back to the Xbox console. I think I like this idea. I've been all about all digital gaming for years. I mean, ever since the late 2000s when you could first start getting because I mean you know I've said this before I was a big console gamer back well, then let's just... when you could first start getting digital games I switched immediately and started buying all my games digitally and that was back in you know 2009 2010 around that time period and you know once I moved into the PC gaming space obviously you know you go all digital yeah, I was about there, to say I, there's really no other option yeah I was about to say I can't think of the last game I actually physically put into my computer. Yeah, aside from some old games, which I still have the actual discs for, the last time I bought a new game on disc was in the mid-2000s. Now, the question is, uh, did it have the CD key in you? (laughs) Still, uh, it was a digital version. Because that's the thing with PC is that... Uh, even if you get the physical edition in uh, sarcasm quotes, uh, what was it? The, call, the latest Call of Duty it was like a cardboard disc with the CD code printed on it. Um, maybe, but also that was um, ah shit, Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain was that? Or if it, it or if you, Call of Duty, too. or if you actually get a disc, it's literally just the Steam installer or whatever storefront installer, and that's it. Yeah. No, the last actual disc-based game I bought for a PC, because I did do some PC gaming in, like, the mid-2000s, was X3 Terran Conflict. When it was actually brand new, uh, I bought it. I Like, I bought it on a whim at Best Buy or something. And it was, like, four DVDs uh, worth of information. Yeah, that's also the other thing about, especially with PC gaming, is that uh, Blu-ray drives for PC is, uh, at least last time I checked, it's been quite a while, uh, kind of expensive because they're not a very, uh, there's not a bit, very big market for them, so, you know, not a lot of people are producing them, so the prices go up. You can get a low-speed Blu-ray drive for about 40 or 50 bucks. I've got one in my rig now. I think it's a four, it's either a four or an eight X read speed. For Blu-ray di- or for for Blu-ray, and then it can also read CDs and DVDs. Oh, I'm looking on uh, Newegg right now. I mean, granted, like I bought this thing a few years ago now, so prices could have changed, you know, significantly in that time. And if you know demand is not there, yeah, um, the price could go yeah, up. Yeah, right now I'm looking. I would say a decent drive is still hovering around a hundred. There, there are cheaper options, but you're starting to get into some questionable territory. Yeah. Looking on Amazon, I would say about the same. Pioneer has... Oh, no, that's a Blu-ray player. Asus uh, International Direct Blu-ray uh, internal drive is $80. So, yeah, kind of still expensive uh, for a physical medium. That you're not going to use that often on PC. Yeah, I'm. I almost never use it, but I bought it because 
you know, I ripped my digital library and I was like, well, I've got some Blu-rays. I'll probably get some more Blu-rays at some point. I need to be able to do that. And it's the only Blu-ray drive we have in the whole house aside from the Xbox. So uh, here's actually, here's my exact, I think this is my exact one that I have and it's 80 bucks on Amazon right now. And when I bought it, it was about 50. That could have been a sale, but also I'm pretty sure that the costs were cheaper a few years ago. But that's the thing, like, you know, demand goes down, so supply goes down, and then when you actually want one, they're more expensive because there's, you know, fewer of them. Yeah, of course now so. Amazon is just going to pepper me with uh, uh, Blu-ray drives uh, and its emails to me. Uh, but it looks yeah, like... you looked at one once, so you must need to buy, like, 50 of them, or right? you, uh, Or you bought one, so you need another 20. Yeah. It looks like a lot of these are actually external drives now, uh, meant for more laptops. Which, that kind of makes more sense. Yeah. Because there are a lot of laptops that don't come with a disk drive at all, either. So if you want optical media, you have to have an external player. So that's a thing, it seems. Uh, uh, definitely more, uh, well, cheaper than I was expecting, but still uh, not a, uh, you know, a cheap thing to put, put into a PC. So, But then again, yeah, well, like we were saying, Physical medium doesn't come up with PC that often outside of just backup. And these aren't, and these yeah. aren't writers. These are just readers. At least from oh, what it looks yeah. like. Well, the model that I have is a writer as well. Blu-ray, DVD, CD, read, write. I guess I just got a really good deal at the time. Yeah, it looks like it. Cause I, I definitely only paid like 40 or 50 bucks for it. You know, I don't remember exactly. It's been, when did I build this initially? Three, four years ago? And, you know, have upgraded over time. But, yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. It's an Xbox console, all digital. We'll see, you know, if the rumors prove to be true, yeah, and if so, what they do with yeah, it. Yeah, supposedly it's supposed to go on sale, on, well, on pre-orders next month. So, you know, Time is short to see if uh, this actually comes to fruition or not. Yeah, I'm I'm op- optimistic. Is not the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm, well, uh, you're definitely not optical. No, I'm not optical. Um, I I'm I like the idea of this. I don't expect it to do well in the current console market. I think it's that's still f- more you know all digital in a console space. I think is still a bit too... Well, also because it cuts into the used game market and that's still a big thing on console. Yeah, but I, I mean, the big, you know, the big players, the big console manufacturers, I think would like that because it would for- force more uh, just more purchases directly from them. So, but I mean, that is something that would hinder adoption of it because the the yeah, it's considered console a, players themselves... Yeah, it's considered essentially a discount to be able to yeah, uh, fuel GameStop. <laughs> a disc count. Ugh. Ah. And with that, good night, folks. I just ruined it. I- I'm uh, pretty sure you ruined no. it earlier on. Probably. Alrighty. Well, with that, we will skedaddle on over 
to Community Corner, which we didn't have any emails or tweets this week. I will say that Discord has been hopping. Our Discord's been hopping here lately. Lots of community participation over on Discord. Yeah, which if you... Uh, do you want to highlight? Yeah, and if you wish to go over to the Discord, you can find a link on our webpage, vglpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. I do want to highlight that Jim3535, one of our community members, in case you don't go to Discord or are new here, uh, posted the most recent... I, I guess I think it's our most recent no clip documentary about Astroneer, which I do intend to watch. Uh, I might talk about that next week or or something, depending on you know if you get to watch it too. But things like that, lots of conversation about random stuff, and then our community game night, which is on Monday nights. If you're new to the show or have just somehow managed to miss it, uh, I unfortunately missed this week. I had something come up last minute that I had to take care of uh, that was family related. But typically we pick a game and we all just hang out and play that game on Monday nights. The last couple of weeks we played DEFCON. Um, you know, I, I wasn't around, so I missed exactly what they did. I know that the last or last night's game was supposed to be Keep Talking, Nobody Explodes. I think they played that for a little bit and then did something else. But, you know, I wasn't there to, uh, I guess, enforce the rules, question mark? I don't know. I'm, I, try, I, I try not to be, like, overbearing or anything. But I wasn't there last night. Uh, we haven't decided on a game for next week. Uh, I'm going to try and be better, maybe, at some point, about figuring this stuff out more ahead of time. But, uh, you know, if you listen to this on the day it releases or fairly soon after that, you will have time to suggest a game, which you can do on Discord. Uh, and that's where you can find out any information about what we're doing. Maybe you should also make a list night. for these. I should. I should. I used to have one when we did stream nights. Um, but, you know, I want this to be much more of a, I guess, democracy. Because I used to pick all of the stream night games myself. Uh, and I want the community to be, to be more involved in it. So I don't want to just, like, railroad everybody towards a game. Maybe I can make a list of games that would be good for it. Like things like Tabletop Simulator and some other stuff like that. That a lot of people can participate in. Um... And then, you know, I'll put the games on them that we have played. Come up with some other stuff. Otherwise, where uh, where can they connect with us, Rage? Uh, what, we're skipping Discovery Queue completely again? No, no, no. I just... No, no, no. Oh, I'm just giving okay. you the chance well, to well, well, you usually just uh, plow on ahead, but uh, vglpodcast.podbean.com. You can email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com, or tweet, uh, tweet to us, vglpodcast on the Twitter indeed so it's been a few weeks but how about we go for that theme song and do a discovery queue and well the first thing I get is Dead or Alive 6 no but I did notice something uh, that I, we missed before what did you notice uh, the system requirements they're all in Japanese question mark that should tell you something huh <laughs> yeah I completely missed that before. That that tells you how much care uh, the Western market is getting in this game. Oh no! Oh no! I so I I didn't have Steam op- like a Steam page open, so I opened it, and on my homepage, X4 Foundations Midweek Madness twenty five percent off, meaning that it's thirty seven. Yeah, that's 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 not boding well. That that just released, but I got something that looks somewhat interesting. Uh, on my okay. second poll, Don a man, command a settlement of ancient humans, guide them through the ages 
of their struggle for survival. Hunt, gather, craft tools, fight, research uh, new techs, and face the challenges of the environment that the that, that the environment will throw at you. Essentially, uh, well, not quite caveman, but uh, uh, hunter gatherer, uh, early civilization uh, meets besieged, or not besieged, but uh, banished. So, town simulator. Very interesting looking. It's not a great looking game graphics wise, but this is a town builder, so that yeah, kind of makes sense actually. You know, typically you're looking at it from kind of far away. The question is just you know what type of scope are they going to go for this? Because you know if they do a long stretch, then it's yeah, you know, going to be a little bit more difficult. But also, it looks like it released recently. I think this was an early access for a while. But, yeah, a couple downvotes, but it looks like it's kind of middling reviews. So middling slash positive. Uh, 83% actually. Uh, just the top reviews are a little bit more middling on it. And I'm uh, rambling a lot more on uh, this than I usually do. But town builders are kind of my thing. Yeah. I have seen this game somewhere, maybe on Keymailer. I think I saw a uh, uh, early re- or early uh, video of it, but then I added to my wish list, obviously. Gotcha. So I got one that looks interesting. Uh, Pray for the Gods, and the way Pray is spelled is P-R-A-E-Y. So you got both like praying is in like being in prayer and pray is in like also known uh, as Shadow of the Colossus. Predator is chasing you. This does look pra- basically exactly like a spiritual successor type game to Shadow of the Colossus. Um, looks like the game is available in early access now. A lot of the re- well, just reading through a couple of these reviews very quickly. The main comparison that I see people these people making is that. Um, they seem to react in ways that make more sense. Like in Shadow of the Colossus, the you know they would do a very basic try and shake you off thing, whereas like this guy's saying like I was climbing up his arm and he just decided to crush me like a bug, which was very surprising, but it makes perfect sense because he's a giant thing and I'm a little person. So I mean it, the art style is very, very beautiful. Um, hard to tell exactly how much of it is stylized versus just being more modern looking than Shadow of the Colossus. But, um, you know, if it takes care of a lot of the problems that we had with Shadow of the Colossus, which was the bosses, you know, the clunky controls and the bosses being fairly samey with how you dealt with them and kind of dopey, if it fixes those issues, it could be a game that uh, would interest me. I think I might follow this and see how its development turns out. Well, I got another one, and this is going to be one of the rare ones that uh, seems to be a warning against. Uh, Dirt Rally 2.0, or 2.0. And mostly because it is always online, it seems, uh, based on a couple of reviews and people complaining about losing single-player career progress due to connectivity issues with RaceNet. So that's a severe warning sign immediately off the bat, let alone that I didn't really personally care for Dirt Rally because I'm not a big sim racer. And even though Dirt Rally isn't a hard sim, uh, hard as in, you know, a faithful sim, uh, not as in difficulty, 
it's definitely more on the sim side than I was wanting and it just did some things that kind of pissed me off yeah so seeing them uh, put always online connectivity uh, supposedly uh, I mean a lot of people are, uh, are complaining about connection issues so it looks like it's always online if it's not then it's uh, you know, saving to the cloud which is just as bad honestly you know, just see. Looks like it may be save issues. Uh, I mean, considering one of the uh, the pinned posts on the forum is RaceNet connectivity update and clarification. <laughs> to, confl- uh, to clarify, it's only the my team career part of the game that requires a connection to RaceNet. You can play custom championships, RX championships historic championships in all parts of the other parts of the game without connection so yeah it's online only fuck them tell us how you really feel no sir I don't like it (laughs) Uh, okay well I got another one that looks interesting Uh, this game is called business magnate magnate is that how you say that magnate whatever magnate how do they work tycoon business simulation game where it looks like you've got a bunch of different businesses or industries that you can choose from create your products and sell them with its hook seeming to be that you can have multiple companies at the same time doing different things and it says uh, the types of companies you can do or type of products that you can create and sell include things like cars rockets phones tanks uh, trucks planes computers ships and more you get to design your own products, um, manage warehouses, offices, and production facilities. So kind of a, a mix of a business sim and then a tycoon game. Very interesting. The type of thing that I I get going for. Uh, it's got mixed reviews. It just released at the start of the month. Um, not super expensive, though. 12 bucks. It's currently got a 10% discount for the, you know, the launch discount. I'm interested. Might look into this a little bit more, see if it's something I want to pick up. Well, I got another one pretty much off the bat. I'm still only halfway through my queue. Subnautica Below Zero. So, uh, Frozen? Let it go. Uh, But uh, essentially Subnautica with uh, another theme to it, uh, as far as I can tell. I'm not sure what they're doing different on this outside of just new biomes and new, well, uh, fish, obviously, new uh, flora and fauna. It says a return to planet, uh, uh, 4546B. So it looks like they're returning to the same planet, but, uh, a different area of it. Uh, but it is an early access, so. Yeah, uh, the caveats apply, but you know, if you loved uh, Subnautica, then this may be for you immediately. Yeah. So this looks interesting. Flotsam. Uh, the floating garbage town survival game. Scavenge what precious garbage you can from the ocean surface and grow your city while doing your best to survive in this colorful post-apocalyptic world. Reminds me of a cartoon version of Waterworld. Which is a, a movie that I that falls into the so bad it's good category mm-hmm. for me. So figure yeah, out. I've very seen interested. a couple games that toy around with this general idea. There was one uh, space uh, uh, sim slash uh, survival game uh, slash town builder, which this is what you know, kind of what this is. 
that took place in essentially a space junkyard and you're welding together parts to uh, try to build a colony. Uh, it wasn't a very good yeah. game from uh, the reviews, but yeah, it's one of those concepts that uh, uh, works so well in sci-fi. I'm surprised that someone hasn't made it work so far in gaming. But then again, space survival is one of those genres that just hasn't really seen anything really take off, especially uh, uh, just space stations in general. It's just uh, yeah, a, I think I know. a weird... Uh, I think it's just because of how uh, enclosed things are with it. that It doesn't make for compelling gameplay. Yeah. I think I know what game you're talking about. Like, I, I, I feel like I've seen something like, like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just drawing a blank on the name of it, but I'm pretty sure I know what game you're talking about. But, yeah. Ooh, I, I just... Well, got, I'm through my queue. I got one more got of mine. Uh, but I just got a Square Enix game that has very negative on a, a 16% review. I, I gotta see what this... What, what they're saying. Uh, poor optimization, terrible graphics... Can't even play the game due to constant crashes. Uh, looks like it's just horribly, horribly, horribly optimized. Damn. <laughs> uh, well, uh, looks like the only thing left alive on this is the name of the game. Eh? Eh? Okay. Yeah. That's the name yeah. of the game. I'll put it on here just to, to yeah, for completion's sake, because it's one of those things that uh, it's a Square Enix game that's this poorly reviewed. I mean, look at this. Oh, my. But it's got mechs in it. Yeah, graphically, it doesn't look terrible. I mean, is it cutting edge? No, not really, but... It's a, uh, a brand new survival action shooter uh, telling a human story of survival from a perspective of three different protagonists. I mean, it sounds interesting, but the thing is that if the game is constantly crashing and it's so horribly optimized that it's yeah getting 16% positive reviews that's that's not a good sign it looks like you're able to drive the mechs at some point and do some sort of battle with them I like mechs it looks like they're also doing the Fallout 4 method of uh, dialogue where uh you get a vague idea what they're uh, going to uh, say, but that's it. Uh, I'm I'm leaving. Try to talk some sense in the father. Try to talk some sense in the daughter. And that's your options. <laughs> oh, very very descriptive options there. Mm-hmm. I like Max. Well, you're gonna have know. to Maybe really I'll like him uh, to be able to play that. It seems. And what is this last one? Looks like some sort of rhythm game, so probably no. And that's me through my queue. I I just had to add the Square Enix one because damn, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, is this set in the Front Mission universe? Uh, Is that a good thing or bad? Yes. I mean, the, the Front Mission universe is awesome. I prefer the older games to the, at least what I'm aware of as the most recent game, which took the turn-based uh, mech combat game and turned it into a third-person action 
style game, more like Armored Core. Well, they now turn it into a shitty survival game. <laughs> With lots of on-foot combat. Because that's what you want in your mech game, right? Absolutely. I The more recent Front Mission one actually had some sections where you're on foot, but they were a very small portion of the game. Although that was in, like, 2011 or 12? I don't think I've ever played the Front... I thought Front Mission was dead. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played uh, Front Mission. Fr- Front Mission 4 was on PS2, and I have the... Uh, ISO for it and play it every couple of years. I mean, it, it plays a lot like Battletech in terms of, you know, turn-based combat, pretty heavy focus on the customization of your mechs, not quite uh, well, the same if level it runs of customization well with, uh, emulators, It may be one for our emulation game club list because we were talking about yeah. uh, you know, trying emulation again. It has ran well in the past... Um, it's been a while since I've checked it out. I don't know why it would run more poorly now, but you never know with changes and, you know, whatever. So I should, uh, dig it up and, and try it again and see how, how it plays. But yeah, it, it, it does have, I mean, you know, it's a Japanese game that, so there's uh, a bit of grindiness to it. Anyways, spiky hair. Um, <laughs> there's some spiky hair. Uh, spiky hair uh, of the like mix? The main... No. Uh, no, no now this this tries to strike a little bit of a balance between what seems more air quotes realistic, but also has a lot of influence from Mecha with how they move in like cutscenes and some of the designs. But it is a slower game that has a much larger focus on the strategy aspect as opposed to Twitch, you know, anything because I mean it's turn based. So there's two sets of characters that you play through, and as the story progresses. You know, there's some intersecting moments and things like that. It's it's a fairly long game, too. Partly because it does require you to grind in that Japanese game fashion. Like, I'm not sure. Maybe if you were good enough, you could get through the game without doing any of the, uh, like, combat training missions, which give you XP and money. And you could replay them an infinite amount of times. But I like it. I've played it several times over the years and it's about time for another playthrough for me anyways although if it goes on the game club list and becomes potential i would wait yeah well i would uh, say depending if i could find it game shark codes are going to be in play <laughs> nice uh, and i'm just doing a quick search to see if there's uh well there's uh fun codes uh, so i'm assuming that's money so yeah, I would say definitely uh, game shark codes if it's yeah requires that much grinding. Yeah, that would definitely help. It's probably between a fifteen and a twenty hour game without the grinding, but all the grinding involved bumps it up closer to like fifty or sixty hours. Yeah, there's definitely game shark codes for uh, at least money. So yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Something to look at later when we're not recording actual content yeah indeed so do we want to do what we did last time where i was like hey yeah tell me about the socials. Yeah, let's uh keep the streamlined uh outro even though we got no feedback on it it felt a lot better so you could reach us once again vgl podcast at gmail.com with your letters voicemails game related topics or just tweet them to us vgl podcast on the twitter or you could do so 
over on our website, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which has been paid for by our lovely, lovely patrons, patreon.com slash vglpodcast to learn more. Uh, but I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. And uh, maybe in, sometime in the future, you can find me over on Twitch. Uh, that would be Caffeine Rage. And you are? I have been Gaming Psychologist. You can find my YouTube content uh, by searching for The Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can be my friend on Steam, uh, JArthur4707. And you can also give him the password for the week, which is, of course, Goose! <laughs> <laughs> Did that actually show up in the actual episode, or was that just us, like, talking beforehand? No, that showed up in the actual episode. Okay. Unless you cut it out. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. That's been hours ago at this point. <laughs> uh, I couldn't resist that one. I couldn't resist. But of course, the only problem with the uh, streamlined outro is that you lose the part where you go first. Yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with change. Uh, as long as it's as uh, gradual change, right? Yeah. Over many generations. Many. Uh, but our intro and outro music, since we don't talk about that on the streamlined one until the very end, is once again Ke- uh, Kevin McLeod's On the Ground. And the Discovery Q music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.